You're listening to the Wannabe's Mobcast. just to document the rides. I was going out riding, like, right, editing videos, kind of. I knew what I was doing a little bit. So as I'd get out there, I'd just kind of, oh, we're going to record this, and who knows, maybe it'll be something cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just started putting videos together, and I started getting a little bit of traction, and I was enjoying it, and then it just got bigger and bigger. And then I had one video of it from a trip up to Canada, and it got this crazy spike at, like, 300,000 views a week. Wow. And that brought on some more subscribers, and yeah. more people in other videos, and it was like, as things started moving, it was uh, a joke. You take away like that, you run away. Yeah. And the funny thing was, that video was up for a few months before it spiked. It had maybe 500 views, but all of a sudden, shh, something hot. To the move. That's how it goes with YouTube, right? Like, chase the algorithm. Yeah, we'll see. But it feels very random to different now. Like, what's going to hit? We had a, we got full. 
thousand views on a YouTube short with a wheel of all thing. Yeah, of a bicycle wheelie in a driveway. Like probably the least interesting thing we've ever posted. <laughs> and blew uh, up. So that's killer. I got lucky with that. My channel monetized like a week before the opening. Oh, nice. So nice. Gotcha. A few bucks extra. And I was like, yeah. cool. I mean, when I started the whole thing, it's like, if I can make five bucks from YouTube riding dirt bikes, that's an extra five bucks. Right. Now. Sure. Here we are. Shoot. Shoot. I don't want to say shit. No, absolutely. Yeah. Please do. We have right. So shit. Fuck shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep a lot of it. Maybe 10, 15 grand off in the last few years, which is cool. So it's not nothing. Like, you know, it's nothing but gas in the bike. Yeah, exactly. And so I kind of go like, ah, oh, cool. We got all this YouTube money. We're going to buy a new dirt bike. And I'm like, I got this YouTube money. I need a new drone. I forget that I spent part of it, but I look at how much it made total. All right, all right. Like, oh, yeah, we can totally justify this. <laughs> we is me. It's totally too many. Slept on it. We're good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So this, this YouTube short actually uh, let us monetize our channel, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Push us over a thousand. It's a few bucks. Yeah. Bucks a month. And make the people watch the commercials. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and we pitch our own products on there all the time, like shamelessly. So. Uh, of course, you have to. And you got your own business you got to plug. That's you got. Yeah. We haven't taken any sponsorship or anything like that. It's all just, uh, you know, we can sell them out off of it. But that's what we do. Um, I think the second most important thing that I talked about tonight is what the hell I'm not here to say. Do yourself. This is a story that has to be told. Well, walking is overrated. That's why you ride a dirt bike. Yeah, right. Because I want to ride crutches. Those are my favorite thing right here. I actually got this really cool new scooter also. Oh, one of those, like, those little... Yeah, it's good, but looking at your driveway coming in here, I didn't know if you were going to do it. The tires are, like, four or six millimeters wide. Can you keep a motor on it and RC cars? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I went down the road, and I thought, oh, we can get grips on here, and we can change the bars, and yeah. different levers, like some ASPs on there. And also, I see any grips on there, I thought it's all right. I made a post saying I was going to do all this dumb stuff. Oh, so I did not to. Do that for it, right? Oh, my God, yes. We have a... Sorry, we have a friend that he broke both of his... Legs and uh, he was in a wheelchair for a while recently. Yeah, and, and like his bikes kicked in and got him some uh, like mountain bike tires and foam rims for it. And they like that kept us. That's uh, right. Yeah, that's good. That is nice. Um, so yeah, the whole broken leg thing was a trip. Uh, so I got this good buddy Jeremiah. I grew up with a guy out here in California. He moved to Phoenix seven years ago or something. And he dated this awful, terrible woman. Blah blah blah. <laughs> she doesn't listen to us, so hopefully she does. Someone please send Chloe a link. <laughs> anyway, they broke up, even though they're still working together. She said she was dead most of the time. But anyway, he's like, hey, you guys are break up. Yeah, exactly. She's, uh, she checks the boxes. He likes Asians with bolt-ons that are short. <laughs> She's a dream girl. <laughs> Sounds like we need to do a podcast there. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I'll send her out. She'll be like, up to So anyway, they still up. So we were allowed to be friends with him. I went through this whole thing with him where I was going to like, I was a good friend. I told him, like, she's terrible. She hates your son. You can't tell people that. You can't help people. So they finally started splitting up. And he's like, yeah, we're doing this. And we're going to this Honda Grom ride in Vegas for Halloween. There's going to be, like, four or 500 people there. And it's a giant chip show. I'm like, that sounds fun. So I went and bought a Honda Grom and uh, rode it once. Kind of we're going to have to get into that in a minute, too, because that's sounds like a whole story. It's the only thing we're not supposed to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, come on. I broke my collarbone on a quad, but we'll get to that. I'm sorry. I rode it once, had so many other things going on, like stuff. And then right before Vegas, the night before I'm leaving, I was like, 
gears for this bike, like what was called counter sprocket, rear sprocket. I got everything. You can't ride a bike unless you fuck around with it, right? Yeah. So, so like, I literally, the night before we left, put exhaust on it. Uh, yeah, the gears, so gear down a little bit. How many, what, how many cc is Grom? Was it 150? 125 or 24, 23. They call it 125. It's almost 10 horsepower there. They're strong enough to break your leg.
four or five weeks, I think or six weeks out, and I'm finally kind of venturing out and doing some fun stuff like this. It's becoming a theme on our podcast because, like, the only time we can actually, like, get guys down to, like, sit down and have a conversation is when they have injuries. I mean, everybody's busy, so John's like, dude, he broke his, he broke his <laughs> wrist. Travis broke his leg, let's get him. I did that with Grant the first one. We got Grant and, and Cody the same way, like, ooh, you're injured. It's got a lot
my YouTube channel is still very, very small, and I was kind of having fun with it, but I had enough money in the bank to where I was comfortable for a while. And I was like, I'm just going to kind of roll with this and invest in it and see what happens. So I had a couple buddies from our sea track that rode dirt bikes and said, hey, you got to go ride with my buddy Robert. Um, sure, why not? Robert and his son are going down to Mexico. You should go with them on this trip. So I met Robert and sure, come, come ride with us and blah, blah, blah. I did what I love to do. I went down there with my GoPro and a bunch of batteries. I was myself a fun person to ride with. I'm not a great rider, but I'm pretty solid. Down in Tecate, it's technical single track. It's the stuff I do really well on. So there's a couple people in the group that are struggling. So I'm kind of going ahead, helping get bikes through stuff. And I don't know these guys, but I wanted to go ride with them. I had a good time, and I was just me. Fun, enjoyable person to be around. This is not my order. So anyway, I go down there and uh, we go out, have a great time with everyone, super nice, we have some tacos, drink some tacos beers, come back to the U.S., get vans, go on fun day. It's like a day trip. Yeah, day trip. So we park U.S. side of Tacate, ride the bikes across, ride, food, home, done. And uh, finish the video up, send it out to my buddy, and got back to Robert. Turns out Robert owns base power sports in San Diego. He owns bikeband.com, number one store for OEM and aftermarket parts and accessories. And with plug. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, I'll throw in the link. Yeah, I do have the blind and stuff, and we're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, um, he reaches out to me. He's like, hey, I own these companies. We want someone to come in and do social media. We want ride videos. This is the first time I've been able to show my wife and my friends what we do on the ride. Your video showed them exactly how much fun it is, the shit talking. The struggles, the camaraderie, everything that goes into this, and we want you to come on and do this for us. And we're, no, I, I, I really don't want to. I've been working six or seven days a week for the last three years at RC Track, yeah. and I am going to go on the road. I'm going to this race, I'm going to this event, I'm going to live in my fucking van, and we are going to go have some fun. He says, That sounds awesome, and I totally want you to do it. I'm going to pay you to do it. And I said, What? <laughs> He's like, I want you to go do those things, and I want you to do it for our channel, for the Bike Bandit YouTube channel, and I want you to grow it, and I want you to be every single Sunday also, and I want you to do these two things, and I want it to reflect our company and show that that's what we're all about. So I said, all right, let's do it. So I've been working for them for a year and a half, two years now, and I have a lot of leeway to do some cool stuff. I work with my friends from Ready Ride Rentals. They do vacations all over the U.S. People fly in with their dirt bikes. So I travel with those guys. That's if you follow them on Instagram. I've never met him in person, but we've chatted. you got to get both yeah. of them. Yeah. He's uh, yeah. fucking right. You'll have, have to do an introduction. I mean, we talked to him on Instagram, but that's all. He's, he's, he's one of my favorite people. Yeah. Yeah. We heard a story that he likes to do wheelies down the beach in Baja Naked. Not with me around. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. There's rumors flying. So he sent me his video footage to edit for the trip. <laughs> I was skimming through and saw a little bit more than I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> the risks of editing life, right? <laughs> so anyway, so as far as getting all the money together to be able to do these things, uh, I have my bike band check, which is nice because that's my majority of my income. They help me out so much with being able to do this. I get a little bit from YouTube because I still do my channel also. And then I travel with the guys from Ready to Ride Rentals. Um, I'm not there getting paid, but at the same time, I'm helping out, so I'm able to travel with them get my food covered, and while I'm out there, I'm kind of running the sweep, I'm helping with riders, helping techniques, helping get through stuff, 
helping with the meals and just kind of whatever people need. I have an extra hand on the trip and it allows me to go out and go to all these fantastic places from Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Colorado, Utah, just all these fantastic places that are in right around gets to go and now they're doing their Mexico trips also. Wish I broke my leg a week before we were supposed to go. But it's never a good time to break a leg. Sorry. So, I know. so we got another Mexico trip planned for March, and uh, we're going for that one. We start all the way up at Tecate, right all the way to La Paz at the bottom. It's like six days, 13 or 1400 miles, all the hotels, food, everything's included. And I'm um, excited. Hoping I can get back to that. We're supposed to be gone by February or March. My leg's shrinking and tiny, so if I can ride, I might not be able to push the brake right again. So it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be ready for that one. Really keep it from good side. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make a slim fit. Right. Put extra knee braces and shin guards around it. <laughs> Pack it all in there. No, I mean, that's a super cool story. I mean, that, that's kind of, um, I mean, we figured it was something kind of like that, right? As like an origin story for how you get going as, a, as an influencer, you know, let's call it. Um, how, do you, how do you figure out the split between, like, doing stuff for your channel? Because, I mean, you're watching your stuff like the video now on, on your YouTube channel. So, my boss and my apartment head and the guy that run the company like what I do. They are they want me to be somebody on my own, just to have a little bit of clout, I guess would be the word, and not just be the reflect well on them. Yeah, working with you, right? Exactly, so, actual personality. So, um, they allow me to split the footage as long as I get my stuff done for them on a weekly basis and other stuff I'm kind of working on behind the scenes for them. They're all for me, using some of the footage from my channel and kind of doing that. Uh, when I have the time, I try and put out stuff on my channel, which is not as much as it used to be. But again, just my channel, I was posting twice a week to try and grow it. Yeah, right. And uh, the numbers have significantly fallen off on my views and everything. But it is what it is. I mean, it's a job working for those guys, and that's priority number one, making sure their stuff does good. And then I'm allowed to cycle stuff through to my channel as well. Sometimes I'll double post a video a few months apart from one channel to another. So, for instance, we're still building the bike band, bike bandit channel up, and uh, say a video gets 1,000, 1,500 views over there, I can come put it on my channel, gets 10,000, 20,000, or half a million, depending on how good a video it is, it only happened once. It's pretty stoked on it, though. But that's not your range, right? <laughs> but the videos I'm talking, they're running with the bike bandit logo and everything, so say they get their 1,500 views off their channel, now it comes on my channel and gets 10, 20, 50 times that. It still has the same branding on there. I'm talking about their stuff, and we're using my channel not to drive people over there, but it is. Well, but that's like the whole influencer, like that's yeah. sponsorship, basically. Exactly. And yeah. I have some other companies that work with me, and the same thing. I talk about the products I love, and all the companies that I work with, or product, or sorry, or companies that I worked with prior to doing stuff for them or having a relationship with them. Everything I'm using is a product I believe in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's so important. Yeah, I think that authenticity shows through or doesn't. Like, it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, half of YouTube is probably just peer reviews that are, you know, products that have actually been used before. So it's, yeah. it's, it's like people have gotten used to that kind of you know, authenticity. John's not a college boy. So. Yeah. Neither am I. They're my university. Yeah. That's the best way. Yeah. It's school hard knocks. <laughs> So what about like Instagram, TikTok? What else do you? So I had a personal Instagram and I had a thousand subscribers on it. And it's like, well, I'm not going to do a personal.
personal one and every single Sunday once. I went through and deleted some weird personal pictures and transferred them into some stuff to make it more moto based. Um, so I, I've been building that up the last year and a half or so, and, or maybe not even that much, maybe last year. I don't know. It's still pretty well. Yeah, it's going good. I was up to 7,500 when I broke my leg and then I started playing with reels. Yeah, yeah. TikTok reels yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, cool. I got this great crash footage. Let's make a hospital flip because that seemed to be going around in this other dumb thing. So I did that and I got one of them, or actually two videos I made were really good. One got like 850,000 views and I got like 700,000. So that gave me, that's a push. Yeah, it got me another 2,500. So I think I'm up to almost 11,000 on there now. Nice. And the big thing for me, I need to be up to 10,000 because people watch my stories you get 100,000, 1,500 views on most of them. Yeah. And not be able to post a link to a comment after one of the YouTube videos, and that's it's not that great. Yeah, I trust everything. Anyone can do it now? Yeah. That's about to ruin it for me. Every single Sunday, I'm just open it up to everybody. I think, so Instagram's interesting, and we can get into it a little bit, but like, playing, I don't know, we had some questions around chasing the algorithm. It sounds like you've had some hits, which really helps. We've been so up and down, like, we were rocket ship growth for a while, and then they changed around the video format and they merged, you know, Instagram TV, whatever they call it, mm-hmm. and the Reels format, and they call it video now, right? And totally fake our, our video just in the toilet, and it's like we get them broke to a week down to number 20, and they don't yeah. it's like, and I, I mean, the content's exactly the same as it's been for two years. Like, yeah, no, that's changed. It's infuriating. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's the word for it, and I, I think it's just becoming more and more pay to play, so I wanted to get your thoughts on, like, Obviously, you know, Facebook being to Facebook first, and, and I'm, I'm sure it's coming to Instagram, but, like, they get the motivation for it, right? I mean, if, if, if they give you as an influencer a free platform, when they get out of it, you know, maybe views or whatever, but, like, at some point, they want money from you or from us or whatever, yeah. and, and I'm sure that as they tweak the algorithm, they're trying to find the balance between how do you keep people, viewers, you know, average shows on the channel watching shit, and how do you keep the content creators paying for access to that, right? Um, so it sounds like you've had some new one recently, but I don't know if you Chasing the algorithm. I I really don't know. I wish I was long and thin and tons, and life would be so much easier. I sometimes think that. Yeah, I know. I know how to get big. Just don't have the. Uh, I know the body. Those Instagram made those ones. Those there. I was gonna say girl back then. Oh. Thing. I think I had someone subscribe. It's probably you or something. Like that. <laughs> 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 I 
probably don't have that on there now. My whole thing, I kind of went all in with the YouTube platform, and it was doing good numbers a while. I was making an extra thousand bucks a month, which obviously you can't live on, but it helps out with travel and environment yeah. every couple of months if you just keep talking to yourself that you haven't spent the money yet. <laughs> we make, I think we're at like a hundred a month now. We're excited about it. So it's like, hey, you know, listen, the tank of gas and, you know. And then I got some other buddies that have been doing YouTube for years that were making bank, I guess, before the yeah. new generation. And I know a guy who, I don't know, eight, nine years or something like that. So it's crazy. It's a totally different world. He's, he does like computer builds and water cooling and graphics cards and all that shit. But my buddy wears short shorts and rides a gold motorcycle. And I would be that guy. He's <laughs> so fucking talented. It's crazy. That guy is, yeah. It, it doesn't make sense how he does that stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's got like, he's in, he's in two worlds, right? He's got the like, the, the like, I don't know what to call it, like production videos. He does, he does, he does like his, his <laughs> own like builds with 20 foot forks on him. All kinds of crazy shit, right? right? And, and then some riding, right? Yeah. So, so Instagram's what, like, I think it's something just for I'm using it as a, um, call it a hobby. A marketing tool to drive people towards YouTube. That's kind of what my whole plan with it was. Do you get any traffic over off of them? I don't know. Like, the, the thing we've seen with that is if you bring people off of Instagram, which is so short form, like neurotic, you know, just flipping through videos, and you pull them into, um, you know, a half hour video about an engine rebuild or whatever it might be, right? They stay for 30 seconds and they bounce and kill your YouTube metrics. It's almost like worse than if they had come in the first place. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think I started with the YouTube thing first, so most of my stuff came from YouTube. People find me on there, and it's kind of continued to grow. I haven't really seen a downside of it. But uh, if you look at, I think his name's Brian, that does the Seat Time channel. Oh, yeah. So he had this video of Graham Jarvis going up a five or six foot wall in Texas. And I think the video got like 20 million views or something. Well, exploded. But he got a million subscribers or two million or five or some stupid amount. And because of that, I was talking about this because he just started a new channel. He said, my metrics are crap. These people don't watch the videos. It recommends it. No one does anything. He started a new channel because it was so bad. I could, so I could definitely see that. So when we launched our first podcast episode with Jarvis, mm-hmm. um, really cool conversation, but we pushed it pretty heavily on Instagram, and we brought over quite a few initial viewers, like the first few hundred viewers came from Instagram, because we pushed it hard there, but they just didn't stay. Because seriously, we're watching like 30 seconds of it, and I think what happened is people were like, oh yeah, that's really cool, I'll go watch it, realize it's an hour-long podcast, and you're like, okay, I'll save it for later or whatever. So the bounce rate was super high, and I think YouTube was like, we're not showing this shit to anybody. Nobody stayed more than 30 seconds. We yeah. like buried it. And you know, it's just like, so we, we shot ourselves in the foot by, you know, in later episodes, we just released a native mail on YouTube, mm-hmm. and they, you know, go out to our YouTube followers, they'd be much better. You know, they're much more organic. So if you looked at uh, Jake's from uh, Gypsy Tales podcast, are you familiar with that? I've heard that. I haven't listened to it yet. Fantastic show. I love that guy. But, um, so he does his old podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever it is, and then he does clips with kind of clickbaity titles on the front, Okay, and he'll have a five or six minute video, and he'll put up six or eight videos from each one of the podcasts that show some clips, but if you want to listen to the whole show, you have to hop onto uh, Spotify or Apple or something like that, and figure out what the relationship would be. Obviously, we didn't invest in podcasts, it doesn't have to be it's an hour, hour and 20 minutes, and it's fucking great content that they put 15 minutes on watch it and watch it and go, that's actually found on YouTube and now I, now I listen to it on Google Podcast. Yeah. So yeah, he got lucky. I mean, he'd been doing the thing for a while and he traveled all over the US. He's an Australian guy. I don't know all the fan of his and what he's doing. And so, so he's still trying to grow through. 
Um, so anyway, he uh, basically, I think his big one that spiked and broke through, he had, he had Brian Deegan on the show, and they were talking about stuff way back in the day with him and Travis Strong and Bud, and he made some clickbaity thing that fucking exploded, and it did great, and uh, it's grown and grown and grown from there in the last two years, and this guy has just been massive. So his shows have been cool. He's got Jeff Lawrence on there. He's got the Deegans on there. He's got the Strong on there. And just on and on. He had Aaron Gwynn, Mountain Biker, on a little bit ago. And then he has some non-motor-related people also just, uh, I don't know, fucking balls. I don't know. But they're all buddies come on sometimes. They do, like, a Supercross companion show. It's kind of like that Joe Rogan type companion thing where they watch Supercross. They just fucking have some beers and hang out. You can listen to it while Supercross is on. Stupid YouTube channel. <laughs> 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 it's like 
15 subscribers and what a cool video. Oh, maybe we could add another. Yeah, that would be 16. <laughs> that one and then uh, I was just like, how does nobody have a channel named Grom to? So I got that and I started making a video and then now I'm fucking up my phone selling it. <laughs> <laughs> it's got one video I just have to do. Are you video? No, no, I'm, that, that's going on my channel that I can be yeah. in straight enough to make some stuff. So yeah. <laughs> that's going to be on every single Sunday and I'll get around to it eventually. <laughs> Super cool. I, so I, I, I want to chase this fan thing. I guess we can. We can um, yeah, uh, that's sort of the, the other side of it, right? Obviously, we've talked about the influencer side of things, but now it's time to talk about like the riding. So obviously, you've got the riding all over the place, adventure rides, Art and Girl, Street. Like, I want to dig into that a little bit and just yeah, fire away. Yeah. <laughs> what, like, when did when did you start riding? Let's let's just start there. Um, had a quad when I was a kid. Yeah, a little Suzuki fifty and then. single day, and his dad was a firefighter. Well, not every day, but two, three days a week. So his dad was a firefighter. We'd go to Lake Elson Motocross Park. This was like uh, 99, 2000, 2001 time. And his buddy, or John, would go to the Elsinore, the motocross track, and he'd be the paramedic for the day, and we'd get to get in for free. So a few days a week, we'd get picked up from school with bikes in the truck already, and we'd go right until dark. The days we weren't there. We're out at my buddy David's house riding his track and just tearing up the Temecula wineries. They uh, <laughs> appreciated that. <laughs> we had so many pissed off landowners because they all lived a couple miles from us out there. And we had back roads to go through the grapefruit, through the wine, or the grapes, and just all over the place. And it was a shit show, but it was, it was so much fun. That's, that's the life. I can't, I can't I mean, my parents were having nothing to do with dirt bikes as a kid. You know, my, my dad, they're, they're noisy and dangerous and dusty. Myself back into it seven, eight years later. I raced, raced Supermoto for a couple of years, and uh, that was fun. Asphalt hurts just as badly there, I found out, so I'm not going to get out of bikes again. And then uh, when I had the RC track, my neighbor Scott he had a company called Beer Skate. He was a longboard skateboard stuff. He's one of those crazy idiots in the fucking leather suits that are made for motorcycles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bomb in the hills. So he's like, oh, you got to come ride dirt bikes with me. I got two bikes. Nope, fuck off, Scott, not doing this. On and on for months. And this is 2017, I think, so. Shut up, I'll come with you and just pick up pick up one. So I went out and bought a 17 KTM 500 EXC that night. And he showed up the next day. Like, so I'm like, cool, I got my own, let's, let's go. Bought a bike? Yeah, let's ride the fucking thing. So I went out and uh, went down there at Corral Canyon, same thing, you know, and tore it up for the day and game over. We, I just dove head first back into it, rode the, the 500 for 60, 70 hours, sold that on a 300. Uh, 2019 TPI, which is a terrible bike. It blew up at 19 hours and it was awful. Because TPI or because that specific bike was just it, it had issues. And the 
came stood behind me, even though it wasn't under got it all fixed. Um, then I get around like I just didn't click with it. Uh, found a 2018 uh, XCW ATM I ran last year. Wrote that for, I don't remember what it was, 140, 170 hours or something. Fantastic. Then I test rode the Sherpa 300, and I was sold. I was going to buy the Sherpa because I love the bike. But then I rode the 2020 KTM new frame XCW. Yeah, that was, the bike for, that was the bike for me right there. So I was on my 2020 KTM 300 for a year, put almost 100 hours on it. Well, that's between 500 bikes that I got, right? Like a grand bike and adventure bikes and all that stuff. So um, got quite a bit done on that and then uh, wanted to try the gas gas. So I'm riding the 21 gas gas using 300 right now. And posting quite a bit about that. I love that bike. It's great. It has the aluminum subframe to get with the KTM. And the Husky has a composite, which seemed to break quite a bit. You get the linkage that comes off the husky, which I have you ever actually broken the subframe or just like, I hear that, but I don't know anybody that's actually. I've seen ten or fifteen of them at least, so it's a real thing. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And sometimes they break and all the fingers all floppy cockets blow around back there. Other times it's better. So it's I don't want to deal with that. I don't like the way the husky feels in the back as much. So the gas gas has the linkage, so it's a little lower in the back. And I prefer the way that linkage tracks for a second gear faster versus I really like the KTM PDS for really technical rock stuff. And I don't feel the linkage hang up in the technical stuff. I was just going to ask. I like that it clears. But yeah. When I get tired, like, so if I'm riding hard, I'm feeling good, I'm charging stuff, stand the bike up over it, linkage doesn't give me a problem. That's fair. When I'm riding right. When I, yeah, when I'm riding right, like guys like Cody Webb. Maybe never feel it, Charlie. So never feel it. It's funny, Cody mentioned the linkage to us. We were talking to him, but I hear you. Yeah, they're getting the bike up. Like, so it doesn't matter, right? And, uh, that's one spot the Sherco really is better than the, the linkage on the Husky and the gas gas, right? Because Sherco has it a little bit, I don't know, it's like Cody, and it's a little bit tinier. Cody's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's back and forth, but I'm, I'm really happy with the gas gas bike I'm on now. I don't remember what the original question was, but there. No, I mean, that, that, yeah, so I mean, that's like three of them, but yeah, I was going to ask. So you started out in, uh, like, motocross, right? Yeah. And you kind of transitioned over to more enduro, but you're, you're like, all, in all places at the same time, you're doing a little bit of adventure riding, yeah, yeah. super moto, you're doing, like, when did, over the years, yeah. When did enduro kind of become more of an interest than, than the motocross? So, when I started riding again in 2017, yeah. 10 years after I hadn't had a bike at all, and had ridden, so I got that 500 and went out and kind of did some trail stuff, and I really enjoyed riding on the rocks, and I've been doing some downhill mountain biking in the last few years before I had a bike again, and I love crushing the rocks, charging some downhills, as long as it's not too steep, but turn out a total bitch when I get that <laughs> steep, or it's something that I've been doing for too long, I hate that, so. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I got I got that twenty or the twenty eighteen three hundred and once I had that bike it was it was on it was going through everything it doesn't stall it didn't overheat like the five hundred did it was just a fantastic bike and it all really came together so I met I met so my buddy Josh and we were riding every Sunday somewhere when I could and I was like I got these mountain bike buddies and they're going to Canada we've done this trip two years prior to that and this is the third year we got to Whistler and I'd go for a week we'd get a house together. It's cool to get 12, 15, or 18. Yeah. It's magic. It comes up like 400 bucks for a week, right? So I, I brought my 500 to the second year, and then I brought my 300 to the third year, and then I brought Josh's bike with me. And he, he flew up for the two days, and we went and just 
hit a couple of awesome places like the Canuck up uh, near Whistler there, just north of Washington border. Never been, but seen some of the clips. is just amazing. Yeah. So oh, that's, that's my video that did great and blew up. And uh, so yeah, it's just cool. Area. That was the one with like the best single track in the world. Yeah, yeah. 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 use that title like four or five times. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of best single track in the world. Yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so it, uh, it was really cool. And uh, I just, I fell in love with it. Like when I was younger, I loved riding track, but I'm 38 now. I don't want to break myself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, gravity is unforgiving. But I, I started going back to the track this year because I have been scared shitless of jumps. And to go to the track, I still am. I go out there with no ego. I'll set a timer for 20, 30 minutes, and I'll moto on the vet track, and when I'll get all the vet jumps, I'm fine saying that. I don't care. Dude, I don't, I don't go in the air either. I'm right there with yeah, you. unless there's a mod going on, then we'll talk about it. Right. Um, but <laughs> I have some obstacles out there. That's yeah. fine, right? So that, that's really involved. I improved my riding quite a bit. I get out to the track. I just kind of hammer down. I work on the corners. I work on the form. And those are things I don't really work on a lot of trail riding because I'm worried about trees and cliffs and rocks and bobcats. So I get to the track, and I can kind of just work on picking lines. I can work on the throttle control. I can work on my body position. And, you know, I'm kind of fat. <laughs> really fat, but I try to work on my endurance and get less fat. <laughs> I like it. No, I, I, so do you, do you need mountain biking still? Because I've gotten into it in the last couple of years. I'm terrible at scared shit. Like um, I, but I, I feel like, I'm, like what I was going to say is, like, the, the mountain biking has taught me to pick better lines. Like, really good. I agree 100%. It just helps with line selection. It helps with confidence because yeah. you're working a tiny tire with less suspension. And then right. you get on your bike and just so easy. through it. So I was getting lazy and sloppy on the dirt bike. I didn't know it at the mm-hmm. time. But, like, you can, you can be sloppy and it'll still go around the corners. You know, you're not fast, but you don't know it. And you get on the mountain bike and, like, you have to ride it the right way. You've got to hit the lines you want in the ladder. You're just gonna so I got my road bike. It sits in the corner of my room and collects dust so it doesn't land on other stuff. <laughs> I want to get back on that. And I actually bought a specialized turbo Evo earlier this year and I rode it a handful of times and uh, I like it. Yeah. It's good. Sam has it. I only want to ride it. I have a couple of guys I've gone out with it. It's been great. But I made a decision a month ago that I'm selling it and I'm selling the Groms and that's going to pay for any 500. Because I want a actual street legal California bike that might 300 that's played in Arizona or like 450 that's played in Arizona. I want a bike that I can actually ride around here and take out and not worry about it. So I'm going to be picking up a KTM 500. Um, nice. I went by it last week and I just keep it on because I can't ride the damn thing for a few months. Right. So um, it's time to work on it. So you got to do a bike and you got to do it for DC. Oh, this bike's going to like that. Like probably 15 grand worth of parts yeah. before I touch it. I might even, I got, I got months to like ride, so I might have strip it off and strip the frame down and get the frame in <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a real thing. So like, I, I paid like 15 for mine, and I'm at least 20, and I'm not even done. You, know, you, just, you just throw money at it. Like. So I've gotten really lucky uh, working with my fan and these other companies and making connections throughout the industry. I built this 300. It was my dream bike, my Gas Gas EC 300. Awesome. It ended up getting a feature in their bike magazine because... Oh, you know about that. Yeah. So it was in uh, September this year, a whole five-page article on the bike, and they kind of dubbed it as the Working Man's 300 because... 99% of motorcycles that are in the magazines are, well, we work with this company, I'm going to sponsor it, they have so-and-so build it, and that's what that is. So they did a feature on my bike, and it was cool. It was in there, and it had a golden tire, tire in the front, and it had an IRC in the back. <laughs> that never happens, because they have their contractual obligations. Sure. 
So I reached out to the marketer, right? And I was like, hey, I'm doing a 450 gas gas build. It's getting prepped for this Mexico trip I'm going. I'm going to be running these parts on it. Do you guys want to do a feature on this before I go? And he said, yeah. And he said, do you need help getting these parts together? Really? <laughs> so uh, I kind of put together the list of the products I was going to run on the bike. He got me in touch with these companies, awesome companies, uh, Seat Concepts, Nitrogens, FMF, and some other stuff. And kind of got these, sorry, once again, but, and got me linked up to where I was able to get some of these products for free. So I'm working on this bike. It's 90% done. they got a full rally tower from Moto Mindman and Trail Tech GPS. It's fucking cool. And uh, it was going to be <coughs> Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Get ready. So anyway, I was going to do this build and take it out to Mexico and have this be my bike. Only downside to the KTM 450XC or the Husqvarna TX450 or the Gas Gas EX450 is a five-speed bike. So if you get a 250 or a 350, you get a six-speed. If you buy the 450, they're in the case to add the six-gear into the bike. And it's only about 300 bucks for the parts. But for an, ex- for an experienced mechanic, it's about 10 hours of labor. you got to split the cases. I, I decided against it. I was going to make it work. So in the what's the rationale for them leaving it out? Like, it's just cheaper, lighter, or is like a... Yeah, but it weighs in. Yeah, so maybe a 250 have more top speed than a 450. It's weird. So anyway, I was going to make this my Mexico bike and all the other stuff. Anyway, fast forward now. The bike's almost finished. I'm going to have some downtime, so I'm going to finish the bike for the magazine, let them test it, ride it, etc. And then after we do that, we're going to strip that bike back down the stock. All those parts, including the gas, gas plastics, the Terry's gas tank, fastway pegs, all the good stuff are going to go over to the KTM 500. <laughs> a street legal gas, gas 500 with, with a PDS on the back. That's cool. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm just kind of bouncing between that and then other projects with the van that I'm starting and just a million things. So I got my hands full. I just can't walk. And do anything. So it's like, this is, this is all planned out as I sit on the couch. But right. I certainly know it's like a currently good. Yeah, it's like a little stuff. Yeah, it's just, is it going to happen? I'm trying to talk myself out of doing the bike, but it's probably going to happen. It sounds cool. You shouldn't should do that. Are you still riding the big bikes that you do? Oh, so like 790 Adventure? Yeah. Um, I have, but that's also one of my list of things I want to get back. I've been watching videos from guys like uh, Tyler at the Everride channel. Yeah. He's just out doing all sorts of fun stuff. I had the chance to ride with him last year, and then my boss, Steve, uh, I've done some camping stuff with him. I really enjoyed it, but as I sit on the couch, I actually want to put some better gearing for road use back on my 790 and strap the big Moscow Moto bags on it yeah. and just yeah. get out and start hitting the road more and doing some fun stuff. Yeah. Because when I ride my 790, most of the time I put in my van, I drive it there and I ride it like a 300 and get some cool clips. <laughs> well, so you tried the Big Bear Trail Run on that bike, right? Yeah, I did. a couple years ago. Um, yeah, two years ago. So no one has ever finished the Big Bear Hardway at, on uh, Adventure Bike between Silver and Gold. Really? Uh, KTM sent Quinn Cody the year before I went out there. He was well on pace to do it. And I think he was on a 1090 at the time. The 790 wasn't out there. 890 wasn't out. And he hit a rock and broke 19. So I, I had completed it once before, not with shining colors at all. And my buddy Eric did it, and it was a mess. I fixed two flat tires on his bike, and he pulled his up a cliff. And I hardly finished um, on my 300 that year. It was just so taxing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's all the point of that road. 
he was a better writer, even though cool guy, I could do it on my KTM 790. And I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. So he started out super early, got mine two hours early, so it was like fourth and fifth off the line, ran me from Eternal uh, Life, was right behind me on his Honda 450. And I got out there, and we, we took off. And I was fucking moving. We, so it's about 200 miles. Um, I was getting picked off by some fast guys all day, but I was running probably top 5 or 8% of the thing at the 120-mile mark coming into Mountain Smith. So I started working my way up Mountain Smith, and it was showing like 102 degrees on the thermostat for how hot it was. I day it was cooking out there, so the bike's getting hot. <clears throat> I'm tired, but my hydration was still good. I wasn't fading off like I had the prior year. And that's after you get through the hot section, dude, that was all the hot shit. It's yeah. the day, it's hot, but yeah. And that was another thing, trying to get through this hole on that big bike. <laughs> I was really worried about coming out the other side because uh, we came in the single track side yeah. this year. Yeah. And I remember those big rocks on the other side after you. I'm like, that's the spot that's going to get me. I'm not going to five people lift this because I run a top bike over it. Luckily, they were gone. Yeah. So anyway, we're coming up Mountain Smith. We're coming from the Crab Flat side. Is this, was this before or after they fixed Mountain Smith? After. after. So they already fucked it up for us. Yeah. So, so I was more confident on the big bike. It's like a gravel road now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Until you get on a 790. <laughs> so anyway, I'm working my way up some of the chunky stuff and... I'm on this 500-pound bike that doesn't want to lug, yeah. and we're going up, and I'm trying to stay committed, stay on the pegs, and there's the choky rocky way, and there's a rock line up the left that kind of goes up a rock. I made it up, I stalled it, the bike fell, I fell, and the bike landed so hard that it, like, shocked the tank, and the check valves inside ended up sticking. I didn't know this at the time, but 10 minutes later, I'm riding, and the bike made her locks, and it Essentially, he's not getting fuel because the gas meter can't drive it. Right. Right. can't drain or pull air in the right one thing. So I pull over and what the hell's going on? I go to check the gap. Oh, but it just fuel wall came off the top. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it didn't get in my eyes or anything. Yeah. Luckily, the bike didn't catch on fire, but it shot up. And of course, I don't have this on video. I've done that twice. We had, we had a clip of that on the beta that went a little bit viral. Yeah, just. <laughs> so I'm trying to It's not venting. What do I do? So I was like, all right, well, we'll close it, and maybe it's a one-time thing. So I go another 10 minutes, and the bike shuts off again, and the battery's dead. <laughs> Last time <laughs> the battery. Well, I have this little tiny anti-gravity restart battery in there, yeah. and the fans are just running constantly, but the bike's running such a low RPM, and it's so hot out, it's just drawing, 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 and it's not charging enough. So I get someone to jump start me. We're halfway across Mountain Smith already. We're not at the hard section that got fixed yet, right? And I'm like, are we going to do this? I'm talking to my buddy Eric. So I find someone to jumpstart me because I'm going to jump the pack with me at the time. So thanks to that guy that stopped. By the way, there's a video that says KTM 790 Adventure R Beatdown. It's got a picture of me doing a wheelie. This whole uh, ride from Big Bear Rides there, it's got 60, 70,000 views or something. Fun video to watch. Yeah. You guys want to see all this stuff. Check it out. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I get to where we get the bike started. But it's going to be for walking time. So I'm like, well, we'll just leave the gas cap open. It's got a little fold up one. So I'm like, do the second half of Mountain Smith on an adventure bike with out of gas gas, essentially, no battery. and I can't stall. <laughs> so we get through all the rest of it, I keep the bike on, and I get to the next checkpoint, which is, I can't remember the name, down the other side. It's Crab Flats. It's It's the campground there. So yeah, it's good. Right there, you're getting up the trees, and tell everybody that you're tired, and everything, and take the fire road back. Yeah. Which is where the adventure bikes belong. Right. So, <laughs> back on the fire right now. Um, I ended up completing about 120 miles. I was pretty far up on the order. My tire was 
75% gone already, and I had done uh, White Mountain yeah. for a 38 special. Yeah. Would I have finished? I don't know. I think I could have got off White Mountain because we were getting close to getting to there. Yeah, and you could ride that on that bike. Well, the problem is you have that one long climb on white that's yeah. really loose. And yeah. if you stop, it's hard to get going. Coming up from the west side, going east on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working away yeah. at the top. So, I mean, all that hard technical stuff, I think I could have got through. But that long hill climb, that's hard to do on a regular bike. It is. That's, that's pretty grueling. That yeah. side. So, are you going to try and do it again? I really probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You should. So, this, this last year we rode it, we didn't finish. We didn't finish that too. But um, we did white mountain down. Easier. So you guys did 38 special in the morning? We actually didn't get that no, far. You got that in the afternoon. It was in the afternoon. We didn't quite get that far. We got like 140 miles in yeah. speed. So. It's, it's a long day. I mean, nothing's really that hard on the big run. It's just, it, you know, it's a long day. The worst part's all the time on the fire roads. Like you just get, I don't know, I felt like I got beat up just, you know, 50, 60 miles an hour. I could ride the gnarly shit probably more than Yeah, but it, 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 you don't click down the miles when you're cruising on the hard stuff. Right. you got to get the fire roads to get that 200 miles. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you hit all the hard sections throughout there. It's a lot of fun. But it's, if your hydration is not set, especially if it's a warm air, you are done. So going into it with the 790, I was hydrating for like a week in advance. Yep. Just pounding it like up 25 or 30 times a night before it peed. So coming up with the same thing. thing. We were like drinking like a gallon a day for the weekly. That's what you have to. Yeah. And uh, the, the year I finished, I remember grabbing dinner with my friends. I could hardly cut my steak. I was so just gassed. It, it's, it's a long so year. like shaky. And yeah. And all yeah. And, uh, the year I finished coming back down Gold Mountain to the finish, it's the smallest, tiniest, littlest rocks, nothing bad. And I'm like running off the trail because I can't go straight. Yeah. No, you can't ride anymore. Like, yeah. yeah. I have arthritis. And what, what got to me is my wrist from, from like the fire road riding. It's just, they were just so sore. You got to get your suspension. It's not fun anymore. anymore. Yeah. If, I need to get, like, the, the Mako bar or something like that, too. Just, like, I, I've tried them, and I go back and forth. I don't yeah. like them. I run them for both things, but I don't know. With the arthritis, I feel like i got to try some. Good suspension. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the biggest thing. If you can get a set of suspension that's soft on the top yeah. for those initial hits, I think that's way more important than having a bar, not like a flex bar or a yeah. Mako system or whatever. So I run the extra clamp, extra clamps on my bike, and I use their vibration stuff. I don't know if it really does much unless it's a huge hit, yeah. but having your suspension ride, even if it's a spring rate light for the initial impacts, right. it'll just let you last throughout the day versus being on a motocross bike, which is going to kick your ass over and over and over and be relentless. Interesting. Okay. I mean, that's definitely something I, I appreciate that involved with your being in the middle of the middle. It's good. So, I mean, big bear trail ride, you know, they say it's not a race, but everybody's racing. Um, it's not a race, but they pin- they publish the finishing order and the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> and they also have pro riders coming down. Did they look last year? I don't remember who it was, but they had a few guys that were talking about there. There was, I think, Emig was out there and a couple other guys, but they didn't even do the hard way. They were just kind of out there cruising, having fun. There was a group that was my buddy Tristan that does helmet painting, T Creations. He was with Troy Lee. From Pro Designs, and I think Henry was with them and some other guys. And they were up there on some KLRs just having a good time. Right. Um, the fastest guy is Brandon from Enduro Life. He's not won it, but won the event a few times. And his buddy go back and forth. So there's some guys that come out there that are set up and oh, their yeah. times are ridiculous too. Like I'm, I'm through one obstacle, they're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not a rather fast. It, it's wild. It's a whole different pace that my body cannot maintain <laughs> for eight or nine hours like those guys are doing. Do you do any other, like, do you need any, like, real race 
did King of the Motos um, last year and the year before. I did King of the Motos this last year, and I pisses me off still. We'll talk about that. <laughs> so we had the prologue. It was five miles. Um, I qualified 21st. There was no pro class or anything like that. A lot of guys said they weren't pushing for it. I moved to my maximum, and I did a pretty good time. So I started 21st, which put me first gate pick for the second. Second, or for the main race, that is. Second, the main race was a 17 or 18 mile loop two times. And it all started off up this crazy rock face, and there was like a chute at the top, and then there was this giant rock pile on the right. And we're talking about dump the motors at the bottom, hey, there's a line to the right, you can go through through the rocks if you don't make it up this thing. So I was like, all right, cool. Well, one goes off. Tristan Hart and Taylor Roberts, the two KTM factory guys, and one of them got loose and went through, T-boned the other guy. And this is the first two guys up. And they fall back down, and it creates this 20 person pile up. <laughs> and that's really dirty, gnarly shit. Well, you can't walk up this now. Fuck you. So I get a safe start. I'm going to pack through the rocks at the bottom, and then we start blitzing up this thing, and there's just a shit show of people. So I'm like, I'm going to try this rock on. I like rocks, and I got to lift my bike up, whatever. I'm strong, I'm big guy. So I break right and I start finding my way through and I find a line. I'm like, ah, oh, cool, I go over here and of course where it goes, you're off, which of course, I'm like, the line goes right through here and he said, you have to go that way where everybody else goes up. You can't be in the rocks. I'm like, no, no, the course worker at the bottom said, this is the line. He said, you see that mark? You see that mark? You're not on the course. You have to go back. Wow. So I kind of my bike up, I turn it and it drops in between rocks. Like, not fell lower than a rock. You guys have ever done the old loose squeeze where the tire goes in and yeah. it drops between the rock and then expands out? Yeah. So I bike straight up and down. I'm picking this thing up and trying to get it out, and I compress something in my back to where I was in tears. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm, I'm like about ready to just give up and start crying on the course yeah. and have someone get my bike out. I get it out and I work my way back over there, and all four, five, six, eight, ten rows, whatever it's been, have been released, and there's a <laughs> break news coming up. This is in the clips. It's, it's awful. Yeah. And there's so many pictures of me right there, like, tears running down my face a little bit. I finally make it up the hill. The, the race started at 12. It was 1.02. I'd gone .1 miles <laughs> to get to the top of the hill, and I was third or fourth from the very back. Yeah. And just over my, I did not want to be there. I did not want to be on the one ride again. <laughs> so I was like, well, I made it up. I'm going to make it to the first checkpoint. So I start cruising. I got to get off my bike and like, stretch my back every few minutes. I made it to the first checkpoint. I was like, I'm just going to keep going. I made it to the second checkpoint. I think we had four hours to do the two laps. Yeah. I completed one lap like 20 minutes before the thing. And I'm happy I did the whole lap. I was screwed up for a while. Thank goodness I found the right chiropractor. He grabbed my head and dragged me across the room. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> like months later, I was, I was in a bad spot. But uh, that's my one King of Motors experience. It was so much fun. Um, I felt great after the good qualifier coming in at 21st. Yeah. I was ready to charge through. And I know I had more. I'm usually pretty good, even though I'm a big guy. I can, I, I can hammer down and maintain. And I let my bike do, <coughs> I let my bike do most of the work versus using my body too. So I, I think I would have been pretty damn good. I saw my friends finished. And I think I would have had yeah. 20 to 30th overall. With the pros and everything mixed in there, so I was really stoked on that. So that's you can do it again. I mean, I, unless if you're not good at this year, I guess we heard. I haven't heard an official, but is that the case? King of the Hammers is on, but not maybe, maybe, maybe not King of the Hammers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's kind of up in the air. So, yeah. so uh, I'm going to 
miss it this year because of my leg, no matter what. But right, I'd like to do it again. It's a little expensive, but it's not. It's not bad. More expensive last year was more expensive. No, it was just a sign up was retarded. Last year was actually cheaper than the year before. Was it really? It's still 400 bucks or something like that. Have you done any other racing? This this hurts. I make my living doing YouTube and doing social media for Mike Bandit and that stuff. So I wear a camera. With the new AMA rules, we cannot wear a camera on our helmet. Now, for some people, you can put it on your chest mount and you get a decent shot here and there, but for the most part, it's, it's crappy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It shakes around, and plus, me being a YouTuber, or whatever you want to call it, or a closer, if that's what you want to say, yeah. I run a microphone in my helmet so I can talk and narrate and convey my feelings because when I post a video of me just writing, it's crappy. If I'm talking about it, people love it for some reason. Yeah. Well, no one wants me to talk, but apparently it's a thing. That's a thing. So now i got to run a uh, wire up from my chest now up into my helmet I got a wire that's going to grab on the bushes and stuff and just it's a headache so um, actually I tried to race King of the Motos and started the race on the ground with the organizers actually no he said hey Travis you got to take your camera off and I'm like, well what happens if I leave it on do I get disqualified <laughs> or do I have do I get a time penalty What's, what, what happens here if I leave my camera on he said you don't start the race So I had, I took my camera off, but I left my little GoPro on, sitting in the water, you know, it's a little thing that sticks out. Sure enough, I go to blitz up a rock, I get my handlebars back close, and the little GoPro mount gets stuck underneath the throttle cable. (laughs) So I'm going up like a five or six foot leg, it's not vertical, and my head's stuck to my handlebars, and the bike is also the camera, and it does that. I've never had a problem in hundreds of hours of riding, and... This thing it sticks my head to the handlebars, and the bike goes, and just rips it wide open. And <laughs> I guess it's the camera mount that's the dangerous part, not the camera itself. So, um, so it's hard for me to justify going to these races and paying money to be there when I can't use the footage. So uh, I was going to go try and do the whole uh, extreme series this year. And race the whole thing and go for an overall, but when that happened, it didn't work out for me. I didn't want to pay to drive to Texas and try and expense this for work and that. I mean, for what? Unless you're going to start winning the purse, like, what's, what would you get? Yeah, and for amateur, there's nothing there. I'm being class rider, and that's it. So um, I was with Freddie Wright Reynolds. We did a few week tour for some people. Uh, tour started a vacation where they come and rode the bikes up in the Portland area. And then we we're going to Idaho out to Gold Creek Lodge to do an event there. And along the way, Bo from Red Red Rebels is riding bikes out for the race to people out the Idaho Art and Durham at Silver Mountain. So we're not extreme, we're like one here. And we're going to do this. And let's go. So I put my camera in my backpack. And I got some wording from AMA officials that you cannot start the race with it on you. <laughs> they didn't say you can't have it on your seat. They said you cannot start the race. Sure. It's, it's like the goggle rule. You have to have goggles on the starter race, but if you take them off, that's on you. So we did this giant drag race up this big, loose, rocky hill. I got a killer start. I pulled over. And I put my GoPro on. I plugged my microphone in. And uh, stuff. There's another cool video from that. So I'm not extreme video. You can see it on the YouTube channel. It's a lot of fun. Um, I rode fairly well there. Um, I don't think I picked the right tire. And uh, it was weird. It's a lot of loose, rocky, technical hill climbs. So um, I had a good time. I really enjoyed it. But uh, since I signed up late, I went to the back of the B class. And <laughs> so, anyway, um, I signed up for B class. That's where I felt I should be. And uh, 
was stuck in this giant bottleneck and timed out. So my plan was to make it bump up to the next race, bump up to the pro race, and be able to race on the good course, and I couldn't even make it out of the first race. So, my fault. Yeah, so it sounds like, I mean, like you, you've got to like really win races or you just go all in on the influencer side. I mean, like we've done hardly any racing. It's like, go create content if you don't have to write that. I, mean, I enjoy going to the races because they're fun and people like to see them. I don't want to break my ass in half. I don't have that next level that racers need to hit. I'm out there having fun, and that's why I really enjoy the extreme enduro events because yeah. it's not necessarily about getting out there and pushing. It's maintaining a consistent speed. Getting through the technical stuff, just finding optional lines around people, and just it's how I want to go trail ride, keeping my heart rate controlled. Um, but if I, I think it's not quite race pace, right? Yeah, exactly. It's more trying to get through it racing yourself to finish. Because if you finish one of those events, that's a that's awesome. Yeah. And it, I, almost, it's almost more fun than, you know, what are you talking about? That's what I tell myself, right? Yeah, I got, I got a third place finish in that 30 plus Rebel uh, Winter last year in the D class, so. I was happy. It felt good. Uh, that was a miserable day of food poisoning and awful shit. I was just TV still third place. There must have been three people in the class. To be finished, like that was a win. Yeah, it was. It's just it's hot, humid, nasty, and I threw my bike down the last obstacle because I I couldn't hold myself up. It was so deep, and uh, it was 20 feet down. The transition was like a 90, and I did. I knew I would not be able to hold myself up. I would have right through my bar, so I kind of tried to yeah. hold on down alongside it. Your bike can handle it. It's just, yeah, yeah. Well, you can't ride anymore. The bike is so much better than me. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, well, I would love to keep digging into questions, but we are yeah, yeah, yeah. coming up on time. Yes, yeah, so we have got to be talking for a long time. I'm not going to see what And then the other thing is the van life, because I think you live this kind of like icon, you like have the van, right? Yeah. So like everybody's like going to build it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I just bought a new van yesterday. Oh, did yeah. you really? Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about it. Yeah, I'll tell you faster. So I've had. I know you're fine. Like, this is van number four over the last five years. And there are some sprinter vans maintain their value. Like, you can buy them new and sell them. stupidly expensive, right? Like, not really. They start about 35000 but you can buy if you want to, like, four wheel drive. That's a $13,000 option. Also, when you have five speed transmission. Okay. I, I live in Southern California. I don't need to pull them back. Right. So that, I mean, that's what the bikes are for, right? You can't demand yeah. to get you to the trail. And be smart about where you go. Um, so I started with a low roof 144, which is the short van low roof. It was great. Didn't realize how much I loved it. Sold that a couple of years later. Bought a high roof 144, so now I can stand up. You go from about 5'10 inside to about 6'6. Six, six. Nice. Can't go through the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> that's a problem. I've for a year and a half. 50,000 miles, and I custom ordered a 170, which is a long wheelbase. You get a longer tail on it, mm-hmm. and now it fits in two parking spots instead of one. You can have your bed in the front, you can have your bikes in the back, and it's awesome and totally fun. Okay, yeah, right. And now the wind hits you, and you change lanes in a heartbeat, <laughs> and it's got this crosswind assist that tries to make it straighten out by hitting the brakes, and it's fucking scary. Since that van for about a year and a half, and I ended up selling earlier this year. Got a great offer. Once again, sold it for almost what I had. But, you know, I can't buy a van right now. I'll buy a truck. I'll try this truck thing and see how it goes. So I bought a 21 F-150, and I drove back from April till now, so five, six months, whatever it's been. And it was great. I loved it for going to the track, but when I go on these trips, my bike's in the back of the truck. I'm not sleeping well. I can't lock everything up. So 
I'm sitting here broken. And I'm like, I wonder my truck's worth because everything's worth so much right now. Everything's up to death. I took it to CarMax. They offered me $200 less than I bought it for you. So I'm like, this thing's like, oh, I, I can't ride dirt bikes for a few months. I don't need something. If I have to order a van, I'll do that. And I've been thinking, like, I, I like the tall van because I can stand up and work on bikes. I, I like the long van because it has enough room to put the whole party in there. But my very first van I had drove like a car. It went through drive throughs because on these trips, you go out and you're pulling into towns at 10, 11 at night, nothing's open except for drive through and you can't get food. I like food. <laughs> well, so I've been bouncing around, and one of the other things I've seen a lot of Mercedes diesels have issues with the death systems failing on them and just engines not lasting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. That's a mother right now, yeah. yeah. So, He's still sore. <laughs> so Mercedes came out with a gas option in 2019. It's a four-cylinder, two-liter, twin-turbo. Okay. doesn't make a ton of power, but it makes adequate numbers. It's probably okay. Yeah, it's pretty good. So the three options you can get with the Mercedes, you can get a six-cylinder uh, spur, uh, sorry, six-cylinder three-liter diesel. That came with a five-speed until 2019 when it went up to a seven-speed. You could get the 2.1-cylinder diesel that came with the 20, 2015 and newer that came with a seven-speed. Uh, if you get four-wheel drive, you have to get the three-wheel. Um, and that got 26, 27 miles a gallon with a 2.14-cylinder diesel. It was great. I loved it. I was looking for one of those, and I ended up chatting with one of my friends, Ron, and he had the new gas engine, and he's like, I'm getting 22, 23 miles a gallon. It's $5,000 less. It doesn't have issues, and it comes with a nine-speed. So he says it drives better than that. So I called my friend, Lauren, who works over at Temecula Mercedes. She's a sprinter girl over there. I bought my dad's from her. So, hey, Lauren, I'm in the market for a van. How long does it take to order one? Uh, June or July of next year. So I said, well, here's what I'm looking for. I want a crew, which is the back seats. I want a 144, which is the short little base. I want a low roof. I want the gas engine. I don't want some decent options on there because when they're stripped down, they're pretty stripped down. Yeah, it's, a, it's a delivery van at that point. Yeah. So yeah. she said, hey, I've got one coming. It's finished. It's sitting at the factory back east. It's getting on the truck next week. It'll be here sometimes around Thanksgiving. So send me a the window sticker, and I was like, that had a little bit more, like it has leather seats, it has seat warmers, it has LED headlights. Like LED headlights are the $1,500 option. Yeah. I've never wanted to pull the trigger, but they got it. So anyway, new van came in yesterday, just picked it up, and uh, reached out to my buddies at RV Components, uh, van accessories, did some cool window shades, and some other stuff. So I'm contemplating doing a, a build on this van on the channel, something I've never done, but we're going to do dynamat, insulation, stuff I've never yeah. really dug into a whole much. And I'm trying to make this thing as quiet as a car inside so I can still use my cell phone and not, not have a whole van thing. So yeah. Yeah. I, I love the security of the vans. And, well, I went bigger, bigger, bigger. I wanted a small one this whole time. So I'm happy to be back in this and quite often have a nice van. It's going to last for a long time. And be able to do all the little stuff, lock my stuff up, fit in parking spots, fit in parking garages, and be the mix. So we'll have a lot more van that's that time. Yeah. yeah. Um, last thing I just wanted to know about was, so you've done a lot of trips, you just got back from Mexico not that long ago. No, I broke my leg a week before I was supposed to go. Oh, so you, wait, you weren't, you were in, you weren't in Mexico? No. Okay. I mean, it was like up along the border then. I, I live in Temecula, so close yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, Ready Ride Rentals is there, I shared a bunch of their stuff on my Instagram, oh, and okay. I had some other clips from the previous trip. I'm always just trying to put content out, and especially while I'm broken right now, I don't have anything to share, so I'm, Recycling it and visiting footage I never used. 
I live just an hour down the road, so yeah, we'll bring it to you next time. Uh, we'll see so normally we close out with bonus questions, but my dumbass forgot to <laughs> put the bonus questions in here. <laughs> you mean nobody actually submitted one? <laughs> I think Don. No, 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 we have to go. We're going to see you ask. Super motorbike with pegs on the back and a sub cage. So, no, come in the dirt. You'll leave all that street shit behind you in a heartbeat. You know, so I'm, I'm trying so hard. And we live right here. Like, he's in Phoenix. I mean, he's got so many different guy works too. Yeah, like, it's all thing. <laughs> <laughs>